At verse 9 says this, David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but he took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told to King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. I want to stop right there and tag a title to this text. It's the first sermon in this PDA series. Here's the topic. I'm going to see if y'all feeling me this on this first Sunday in February. I want what I want. I think you can get louder than that ATL New Jersey Global. I want what I want. <laughs> I want what I want. Well, family, several years ago, a, an amazing author named Gary Chapman penned one of the most beneficial pieces of work on relationships entitled The Five Love Languages. And in his work, Chapman argues that in the context of a relationship, love must not only be declared, love should be demonstrated. I needed to hear a bigger amen than that. Yeah, he argues that love must be more than professed and possessed. He argues if there's going to be fulfillment in the relationship, love must be practiced. Watch what he says. Love should not just be felt strongly. It should be shown effectively. Doing so requires understanding your partner's love language. Ch Chapman says love languages are the way people receive and express love in a relationship. It is one of the ways people get their relational needs met. You've got spiritual needs, emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs, and nobody judges you for those needs. I wish somebody would talk back to me today, but somehow in some way, some of our relational needs are seen to be treated as secondary and optional issues, as if to suggest that my physical needs are necessary, but my relational needs are options, and what you are doing then is telling me I can only shop in one store, but you refuse to put what I need on the shelf. I thought I would get better amens than that. Yes, yes. See, love languages are rooted in the revelation that just because a person expresses love one way doesn't mean that's the way the other person receives it. Therefore, fulfillment in relationships takes more than effort. We walking heavy this morning. It's about to get more spicy. Buckle up. 
It takes more than effort. It takes understanding. Let me see if you can handle this. Just because you're trying hard doesn't mean you're doing good. I'm going to go over here because I meant what I said and I'm not taking it back. So let me say it one more time. Just because you're trying hard doesn't mean you're doing good. We must learn our partner's love languages so that the effort we make is aligned with what they need so that we give them what they need, not what we want them to have. And there is very little that is more frustrating than being in a relationship where you are forced to live without what you need because the person you're with is intent on giving you what they want you to have, what they think you should appreciate, what they believe should meet your needs because it meet their needs, but we're two different people and we don't need the same thing. And if you give me what I want and I give you what you want, we'll both have what we want. Because I want what I want. I want to know, am I talking to anybody in the A, anybody in New Jersey that say, I'm old enough now not to second guess or not to be confused about what I want. I've been through enough relationships, situationships, and sneaky links to know exactly what I want. I'm grown and I'm clear. Silly rabbit tricks off of kids. If you come around here, I need you serious. I'm not a kid, I'm not confused. I'm grown, I know what I need. I live long enough, been in enough bad situations to know exactly what I'm not tolerating. And I'm not stuck up, I'm just seasoned. Enough to see real quick before the appetizers come, this ain't working. Am I talking to anybody that's honest enough to admit you know before the appetizers come, this ain't, this ain't gonna work. They sitting there talking to you about next time and you saying to yourself, we are never going out again. <laughs> but here's what's interesting about love languages. When you show the right love language, not only does it benefit your partner, when you show the right love language, it benefits you. I said, when you show the right love language, not only does it benefit your partner, when you show the right love language, it benefits you. Pastor Darius, are you saying that I benefit when my partner get their needs met? Don't you mean my partner benefit when they get their needs met? Yeah, but you also benefit when they get their needs met. As a matter of fact, when you tap into the right frequency, you get a version of that person nobody else get. 
Did you hear what I said? When you meet those relational needs, there is a version of that person that shows up you ain't even know exists. They will show up for you in ways they won't show up for anybody else. They will do things for you that they will not do any, for anything for anyone else. Am I making sense here? They will go out of their way for you in ways that they will not go out of their way for other people. They will fight for you and over you in ways that they will not for other people. Is there anybody here grown enough to say, mess around and love me right and see what you get? See what version of me emerges. Y'all too quiet for me this... So it is important to learn the love language of your significant other. But if that's where you stop, you settling. Because this series is about love languages, but it is not about learning the love language of what you would call your significant other. It's about learning the love language of the most significant relationship in your life. It, it, it's about learning the love language of one when you get if you don't get this relationship right you get all other relationships wrong yeah it, 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 it's 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 about learning the, the, the love language watch this of the most consequential and catalytic relationship in your life it is not only important to learn the love language of your significant other it is important to learn the love language of your savior because you are no good to them if you are not good with him. You give them an inferior version of you if you have not rectified the relationship with the most significant one in your life. Here's what we've got to understand. God wants relationship. Please stay with me, guys. What he is ultimately after is not religious practices. Religion should serve the relationship, not replace it. Did you hear what I just said? So you should see religious practices as meeting relational needs. Prayer is communication. And we can't get close if we don't talk. Come on, church. I said, come on, church. God created the human species because he wanted a love relationship with the human species. So this is why he gives the human species what we call volition or free will. Because if there is no choice, there is no real love. So he says now, to have a love relationship, I got to give you the ability to accept or reject me. Because I don't feel loved. if you with me out of obligation. I feel love when I'm chosen. You didn't hear what I just said. This is why the sisters cry and faint when they get proposed to. It's not about the ring, well, kind of, but it's not just about the ring. It's about the fact that you chose me. Because love requires a choice. 
And because God wants relationship, he has some relational requests. God also has love languages. And when we meet these love languages, we see a side of him that other people don't get to see. When we meet his love languages, he shows up for us in ways. He doesn't show up for anybody else. When we meet this love language, he fights for you in ways. He doesn't fight for anybody else. Prove it. Well, in Acts chapter 7, verse 55, a man named Stephen was being stoned for faithfully proclaiming the gospel. And the Bible says, as he was stoned in Acts 7, 55, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Don't miss it. Every other time you see Jesus uh, mentioned on the right hand of God in scripture, he's sitting. But right here in Acts chapter 7, he's standing. He said, because when you start messing with people that I love, I stand up. And I say, don't you make me come down there. God has love languages. And how is it that we take our partner's love language more serious than God's? Did you hear what I just said? What is his love language, Pastor? He's got a few of them. But this month, we're going to lean into one. We're going to wear this one out. Holy Spirit's going to tattoo your heart with this one. We're going to sit right here in this every Sunday this month until this becomes automatic and organic and ingrained into your spiritual subconscious. We're going to explore one that's the top, that is at the top of his list. It's so important that he gave a man named Moses over 600 commandments on Mount Sinai, the first 10 of which are called the Decalogue, what we know as the Ten Commandments. And the very first one out of 600 deals with this. If I'm getting ready to tell you 600 things, the first thing I tell you is important. It is so significant to God, this love language is, that it is, it, he listed it as one of the reasons he wanted Israel to experience an exodus out of Egypt. In, Acts, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, it says, Then say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go. Not just to let them go. I'm in the book. Let them go so that they may worship me. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? He is very clear all throughout scripture regarding this love language. He just like repeats it and repeats it and repeats it because it's almost like he's dealing with some divine discontent. Because he's like, I keep telling you what I want. Y'all aren't talking to me. He said, I put a whole book in the Bible about this. 
I put a whole book in the Bible telling you this is what I want in the book of Psalms. I told you in Psalms 95, 6, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord God, our work maker. In Psalms 29, 2, I said, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of heaviness, holiness. I said in Psalms 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I said in Psalms 47, 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. He said, I keep telling you over and over and over what matters to me, but you don't give it to me because you want to give me what you want me to have, and you expect me to accept that because you think I'm a God that don't have standards. And anybody that accepts anything that you give them is a person that does not have standards. So God said, you just think I'm just supposed to be glad. Here's a principle we see all throughout scripture. I'm almost done. Y'all good? Here's a principle we see throughout scripture. Just because it's offered doesn't mean it's accepted. How many want to go out on a, on a date grudgingly? You want to get something to eat? Just go put your clothes on and let's go. Y'all are quiet. Just put your clothes on and just go. You're like, you know what? <laughs> Woo! Something wrong. You, you know what? Woo, I can't say what I'm thinking. Let me keep going. Just come on in. <laughs> God's like, this is a love language for me. I'm telling you, this is important to me. I'm telling you, this is what I want given to me in the context of relationship because I have standards. What's the love language? Worship. Now, here it is, guys. What does that mean? It means to express worth. Who want to be in a relationship where you don't feel valued? Come on. Worship doesn't mean to feel gratitude. Because you can have thanks you don't give. I'm going to say that again. Yeah, we can have thanks we don't give. Thanks must be given. Worship means to not just to feel gratitude, but to express worth. And God says, what I've done is I've given you multiple ways of expression so that nobody can use their personality as an excuse not to give this to me. 
I told you, you can praise me in the dance. And some of you like, I'm not a dancer. So he say, well, clap your hands, all you people. And some of you are like, I'm not a clapper. He said, well, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And some of you are like, I'm not a shouter. He said, well, come, let us bow down. Some of us are not a bower. He said, well, lay prostrate. Some of us, he says, you can find a way to tell me how you feel about me. You can find a way to let me know my worth and your, my value in your life. And if you ever get a revelation of this, you've tapped into another cheat code. And some people are wondering how you are getting God to show up for you the way he's showing up for you. And they feel like they're more righteous than you and you're more ratchet than them. But they don't understand that you might be more righteous than me, but you will not outworship me. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, I am not worshiping God because I have been good to God. I am worshiping God because God has been good to me. Worship isn't based on my worth. And the devil will do that. The devil, who's the accuser of the brethren, will have you feeling like a hypocrite. You in there praising God, knowing what happened last night. You in there praising God, knowing what happened this week. And you're like, that's why I'm praising God. Because I should have been dead. That's why I'm praising God, because he looked beyond my fault. We got to go, but somebody make the devil mad who's been trying to capture you with condemnation. He's been trying to make you feel like you're not worthy. Somebody make the devil mad and praise God in his face. Somebody shout in the devil's face. Somebody praise him in the devil's face. Somebody rejoice in the devil's face. See, there should not be uniformity, but there should be unity. That means all of us may not do the same thing, but when you feel them in the room, somebody better do something. The dancers ought to dance, and the leapers ought to leap, 
and the runners ought to run and the shouters ought to shout. seated I got eight minutes it's gonna be a riot in here I gotta I feel a rumbling somebody just had a flashback of where you could have been I just need 30 seconds PD I'm done, Tyrell. God's like, I want this. I want this from you. This is my love language. He said, I'm not asking you to be to me what I've been to you. I'm just asking you to be intentionally grateful for it. I'm asking for you to have a revelation of my worth. Because if there is anything that erodes intimacy in a relationship, it is ungratefulness. Nobody wants to be close to someone they feel is not grateful. And life comes at us so fast and we deal with so many challenges. I was talking to my pastor this week and I'm talking about, hey, I gotta shift service times, we gotta create space, I'm praying for growth and God's blowing our minds, et cetera. And, I'm and so I wake, I wake up this morning, he had sent me a text. He said, he said, uh, he said, 99% of churches in America want your problem right now. Amen. And he said, when I look back at moments in my life where God was moving supernaturally, I was so focused on the problems the blessing created that I didn't sit in the blessing. So he said, today, remind your team and remind your church to sit in this and sometimes sometimes life happened on it sometimes life happens and it's tough and it's challenging 
and we can focus on the problems and miss the revelation of God. We like, man, I can't believe I'm in this. And God's like, you missing that. I'm keeping you in it. She says, I want you to express worth. And the most incredible example of this is an individual named David who was not worthy. But much of what you read in the worship book of the, New Test of the Old Testament Psalms, most of what you read was written by him. A man who lived in an era to know what it's like to lose the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. And to say, I got possessions and I got prestige, but I don't have presence. And he's willing to engage in a battle against the Philistines. Because when you lost it, you got to be willing to fight to get it back. Because the enemy doesn't want you to have the ark. Because there's things inside the ark. <laughs> that he didn't want you to get. The commandments are inside the ark. That's God's word. He don't want you to get that. The manna is inside the ark. Aaron's rod that budded. Because some things that you need are in the presence. So the reward of worship is God. The reward of worship is God. God say, when you get this right, this is the reward you get, me. You get my manifest presence. The Old Testament calls it the Shekinah. You get expressions of me that leave you more than emotional. It leave you changed. You have more than emotional encounters in church. You have authentic encounters with me. It's just when you get this right. And David had to fight Philistines. We don't have to fight Philistines. But we got to fight our image. If you don't win over image, you won't win in worship. When David danced out of that garment, it was a king's garment he danced out of. He wasn't naked. It was a king's garment he danced out of. He had on a linen ephod. That's the only thing he had on left because he realized in warfare there's rank, but there is no rank in worship. Whatever I am outside his presence, I take that off in his presence. I might be a king, but I lay down my crown. You shouldn't be worshiping like that. You got a degree. I'm worshiping like this because he helped me get it. 
You shouldn't be worshiping like that. You're a business owner. I'm worshiping like this because he's keeping the business afloat. You shouldn't be worshiping like that. You got a master's from Princeton and a doctorate. I'm worshiping like this because he's the one that opens doors no man can shut. You got to get over image. You got to get over opinions. I ain't even got time. His own wife, McCall, who never knew poverty, judged him and said, you a king. You shouldn't be doing that. He said, I know you don't like this part of me, but it's not for you. He said, all you know is palace. I've been in a pasture, but it was God who took me from the pasture, and he got a little petty and replaced your daddy. Got to get over opinions. Got to get over amnesia. Because some of you forgot what the pasture feel like. You've been in the palace so long. You forgot what it felt like to be overlooked by Jesse. You forgot what it felt like. God has blessed you so much. You got a bad memory. You forgot what it even feel like to struggle. And I don't have time for this, but the fourth thing you got to fight is idols. And idols aren't statues. Idols, an idol is anything that occupies one place God won't share. He will share love. He will share time. He'll share gifts. He's like, I ain't the only one you got to love. I ain't the only one you got to use your gifts for. I ain't the only one you got to give time to. But there's one thing I won't share, that's glory. I won't share first place. I won't share it with a spouse, because first place is a throne, not a couch. It's room for one of us. And whenever you put something else in this place, I get out. Because I won't fight for first. And I'm done, but this is why some of the songs don't resonate with us the way that we should. It doesn't mean we don't love God. It just means we don't resonate with the words because we don't mean it yet. So this is why we have to hide behind the rhythm and energy. You're like, I don't like that song. It's okay. You don't mean it. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you just want to tell you Lord I love you more you won't like the song unless you mean it I'm done we gotta go I love you Jesus we gotta go